now just keep flowing yeah, the, yeah this is cool okay yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super interested in because i mean obviously obviously the various different ways that people engage in sex work like online sex work versus irl sex work not like it's a you know versus yeah. so much as a <laughs> different departmental distributions but um the idea of everything so many things moving to online mm-hmm. are you are is is the organization having conversations like around how a lot of people are trying to move their like maybe a transition from IRL to more digital sex work? A lot of people are trying to transition to online, but it's not working for them because it's, it's just like really it's a different, different right? Like it's just a different skill set, and they don't yeah. have the skill set. And like this is a pandemic is not the appropriate time to try to develop a new skill set. Um, you know what I mean? Cause like you need to be able to kind of hit the ground running. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's really hard for a lot of folks right now. Cause a lot of folks are like, okay, well I already know how to, you know, do sex work. So it's fine. I can just like, you know, go to whatever different thing. And it's like, no, you really just can't switch like that. You have to know how to do it. So yeah. And then of course, like there's still like all the SESTA FOSTA shit and now they're trying to pass like earn it, which is basically going to expand FOSTA, so, like, that's also really fucking stressful with the whole thing, so, it's a mess, it's a mess. And then exposure, like, a literal exposure, I mean, if you're still trying to work. Yeah. God. Yeah, folks have been trying to do outreach and just be like, hey, here's some cash, go get a motel room, like, go inside as much as you can, but, like, funds are really limited. So much, um... Like, 501c3 money is going to COVID right now. Like, we lost yeah. so many donors for, like, the next fiscal year, and it's just, like... I'm sure. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. And there's, there's, like, a sadness to, like, um, like looking for a place to move to and yeah. knowing that there's probably a convenience because here comes a, um, a, a an eviction crisis. Right. right. We've seen that on the horizon pretty much all this year. We're like, that is coming and that's going to be mm-hmm. ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be a pretty slick, it's going to be a pretty slick slide the rest of this year, I think, for a bunch of things. I was, I saw, I saw a graph where somebody was like, oh, the economy's really bounced back. Like we had that big tank where there was a ton of people who were unemployed and now it's suddenly bounced back. And I didn't actually have the time to like look through the article attached to the graph, but I was like, "How are we bouncing back again? Like, is it that temporary spike because we reopened everything, and then we're just gonna, you know, <laughs> re-slump again in a month or two when people realize that, you know, the numbers are not." <laughs> are well, not the I've seen about stuff increasing is the stock market. Like, it's not, you know, <laughs> it's like Jeff Bezos is fine. Everybody else is not. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I keep seeing, like, about these numbers is that it's, like, because that's the thing is a bunch of these businesses are getting those fucking, those loans yeah. to pay employees, but they're still firing the employees or they're still keeping them on furlough, so. Oh, like yeah. Jay-Z? Like Jay-Z. Um, so, yeah. like, because that, because they're, the, like, that's the whole thing is, like, oh, well, it's putting confidence in the market because they have this money, so it's going to, you know, um, like mitigate unemployment and um, you know paused wages, but it's not because they don't actually have to do it. Again, it's like the recommendations. The government is recommending that you use it to pay for load employees, but you don't have to. And so businesses just aren't. So yeah. there's all this like confidence in the market that is like, yeah, it's not. Yeah, okay. You know, 
What's hilarious about that? Do you know what con man is short for? Hmm. Confidence man. I love it. Mm-hmm. Because for you to con somebody, they gotta have confidence in you. Seems accurate. Jesus, everything is and, terrible. And and folks may uh may may recognize this, and, and it and it may be a little awkward for folks that regularly tune into the program. This is the trigger warning voice. Yes. <laughs> this is that person that you've been hearing. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Six years. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So many warnings. So many triggers. That was man. That was old school. I remember, like, 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 talking about what to add to it, sending messages back and forth on an iPod Touch over Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's true. It's true. At one point, we were like, maybe we might have to actually send letters because it's <laughs> we're we're so old and the internet is so confused about its identity. <laughs> but we don't, we didn't want to leave anybody out. Like literally, that that list got so long. It took me like nine minutes just to read it the first time. And we were like, maybe we should co- <laughs> consolidate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember when somebody wrote about the podcast because it was the whole thing with uh, with Benjamin Dixon and those folks. Oh yeah. And yeah. um, they so they they went over the episode to try to figure out this podcast beef, I guess. And they said it starts with an exhaustive trigger warning. It does. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. It does, though. I appreciate they said exhaustive and not exhausting. <laughs> it was a small kindness. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, like um, where things went. Like you, yeah, you are a big part of a, a big turning point in the program. Like right before you showed up, one of the last episodes I had done was um, ten reforms from some whistleblowers for the NSA. Like <laughs> I, I, I was one of those guys just <laughs> yelling about the underground government that you I don't mean, know about, man. To a certain extent, you still are that guy. <laughs> oh yeah, I I was actually so I was do I did a um. I did a little media interview earlier today with some people who are trying to put together a documentary on the the various ways that neurotechnology impacts relationships and stuff like that. And one of the things we were talking about was how how fascinating it is that the human brain creates very meaningful uh, and serious relationships. We construct these relationships with people, you know, on screens or or you know even just through auditory inputs that people we've never met, we've never seen in real life. We've never actually hung out with IRL, and these can be some of the most like sort of long-term, profound relationships that we have, and and that your brain actually constructs entire galaxies out of this little screen interface that we use to exchange data. Nice. Mm-hmm. That, that 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 was dope. That's that's one of the illest things I've heard on this program. I just, well, I just say, I like my echo chamber. My echo chamber's really neat. That's what I call it. <laughs> right. I call mine being in a hamster wheel with headphones on. Yes. Ah. I mean, that's, it's good to have headphones on if you're on a hamster wheel. It's brutal because it's, 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 um, when you don't have appropriate social feedback loops, right? Um, you work so much harder for so, so little progress. <laughs> 
like like we are we are so much more efficient as just producers of experience. We're so much more efficient when we have all the like a, a sequence of feedback loops that let us micromanage in real time like how effective we're being. So you know when we get in that echo chamber, which I'm all about echo chambers because I find myself endlessly entertaining. But you know you get in certain echo chambers and you end up kind of this is how I think this is where I think contextualizing sometimes uh, mental health difficulties where people get super anxious or obsessive and they end up sort of internally looping because they're too ashamed to actually tell anybody mm -hmm. about the stuff they're kind of stressing about. And so they end up in that hamster wheel. In um, hamster, wheel, hamster wheels aren't too bad because we all need to sometimes just, you know, get the energy out. It's when you put the headphones on top of it so you don't have any feedback from your environment <laughs> to modulate your level of effort. Uh -huh. I feel like this analogy has gone completely left. Here's <laughs> what I'm trying to say before it gets too complicated is that um, it's wild how important and meaningful even like small interactions, whether they're digital or, um, you know, in physical proximity, it's wild how just small interactions change things mm -hmm. and put people on very different paths. Like, we met, we all met, I'm trying to remember, and I think I remember, I think I remember. I think me and William ended up interacting initially over a, I think it was a chat thread on a comment that Saul Williams made. Saul Williams says something and somebody got mad about something because he was like, maybe, I try to remember what it was, but it was, it was something where people... Annie so, DeFranco. Yeah, Annie DeFranco and the Plantation Planet people. I remember that. Okay. So yeah, so I made some comments and then a couple, and I ended up in a group. We ended up in a group together, didn't we? Yeah, and I uh, constructing whiteness. Yeah, 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 that's what it was. One of the first <laughs> pictures I posted on my account, I think it's still there. Like you have to go back to the beginning of when I started the account. Mm -hmm. Was a screenshot of Penny's comment. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's right. I was like, this is wine cellar shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so hot that day too. I remember because. You remember like back in your baby woke days when just everything infuriated you all of the time? Like, yes. like now it's a very much sort of a low grade background rage that just exists, you know, sort of in the bloodstream. But at the time I was just like full bore, <laughs> unable to regulate how mad I was about everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I was, I was, uh, <laughs> I, had, I had comments to spare. <laughs> I, uh, at that time I got obsessed with my social justice research <laughs> right. and I, uh, I had actually listened to, if I remember the number right, it was like 353 <laughs> episodes of the men's rights activist podcast so I could critique them and point out where they're wrong. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's like, did one men's rights activist change their mind because of me? <laughs> listen. Listen, now that, now that we are older and wiser, the amount of time that we have put into things and then did not walk away with a piece of paper that said, <laughs> that said we had a degree of advancement is kind of wild to me. Hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, there's, uh, there's nothing. I literally just have show notes thumbtack to the wall literally right now <laughs> like oh yeah mumia abu jamal that's right okay jim hightower make sure i get to that australia fires are those happening again make sure i look for that trans youth shelter okay i gotta remember to look those up yeah i literally just have show notes those are my three degrees this is the shit i cover <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> 
You're like, oh, pieces of paper? I have plenty of those, just none of them make me any extra money. <laughs> Seriously. None of, them, none of them raise my pay grade. <sighs> yeah, and we were thinking about being like uh, like other podcasters, and like <laughs> I, I really actually was going through with it with making like Patreon-only content and making... Right. um. And making uh, a tiered system, and uh, somebody doubled their uh, their Patreon amount, mm-hmm. and then left a long note saying that the new people that just came from Twitter that wanted to be the other way need to know that this is a socialist program. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, not the exact wording. I don't have it in front of me, but it's it's on there. It's it's dope. I should screenshot it and post it. Make that my background image. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh! Wasn't that always the thing you used to say when you used to close out the show? Be like, if you want to pay the tax so everybody can use the road. Yeah, we right? all drive on the wine cellar road. We all do. Who doesn't want to drive on a road of wine? It's come on. I mean, everyone else is out there using social media. We're over here with our socialism media. Oh, mm. nice! I like it. I like yeah. it. See, th- mm-hmm. this is what happens. Yeah, Penny's. Yeah, you you're you're a fast thinker. That's why I always I was always like Phoenix. Call Penny. Talk to Penny. Like Penny <laughs> should be your friend. You should be talking to her all the time because Phoenix's mind moves like that swift. Like oh mm-hmm. yeah, like mm-hmm. oh here's the historical context behind that, and that's when Britain passed this law, and it had this particular <laughs> negative negative effect, and these are the percentages. You want to see my source? <laughs> and this is why. Biscuits mean different things in different locations of the world. <laughs> I yeah, don't you, you do can, that. You can get all the way to New York where it is now a gun. Oh, but listen, listen. Do do British allies want biscuits? Are they talking about shoes in California or a a, a little snack? This is what I'm saying. Is like so. So we give we give white allies cookies. Do we give like? White Anglo allies biscuits. How does this work? I need to know. Biscuits. We could do. We could do biscuits. They always we like a like, hot cuppa. They we could make like our own like biscuit brand and just be like, here, it's black owned business. Buy some fucking biscuits. <laughs> right. Right. Wait. Or even better, we'll give you a a biscuit tag to put on your socialism media, saying you're approved by the Wine Cellar Podcast Crew. With wow. the, the black podcast approval stamp, <laughs> and yes. you, and I like this already because we're talking about biscuits. So the hoteps are gonna come and be like, "You want them plantation butter biscuits from the Democrat plantation, brother?" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I realize uh, we're leaving ourselves open to so many things. Like the first person who says this show really butters my biscuits, and uh, then I have to go and take a shower. Yeah. I realize, I realize the door is wide right now. Yep. Someone, go ahead and leave that on an iTunes review. Just be like, buy black biscuits, like in parentheses. (laughs) Yeah, it could be B O B. It's no longer bombs over Baghdad. It's buy our biscuits. Bring your own. Bring your own biscuits. Oh. Yeah, bring your own biscuits and always and, and everyone put ten percent of your biscuits on the table just in case a stranger comes through. We might have a new comrade. We want to have some biscuits for him. And we're gonna price our biscuits differently based on your background demographic. Yes. 
Definitely. I love it. Your census information. <laughs> now this uh, this 2020. What 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 stands out for you? For me. Oh. This is the year I think that I decided that avocados were not were not were not uninterrogatable. And what I mean by this, I don't know if you interrogate your avocados. <laughs> What I mean by this is, um, over the last handful of years, as I've been trying to sort out, so I'm gonna I'm gonna turn 40 this year, which makes me a decade baby, which makes me one of the people. So if you were born in 1980, then um, you are gonna be 40 in 2020, and that means for the rest of your life you can just add the numbers together, and that's gonna be how old you'll turn that year. So first of all, I don't have to keep track of how old I am anymore. I just have to do some basic math. Secondarily, um, as we age, one of the things I think most of us do is really notice that we're no longer made out of one-third stem cells and we don't bounce like we did when we were 12. And, you know, the bodies are changing and breaking down and things are kind of, you know, worried about health and nutrition and stuff like that and uh, long-term viability and mobility. And so um, one of the things that I have done over the last handful of years is try to sort out um, the politics of nutrition right because our, our bodies are all changing we're all kind of working on that but um there's 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 so many different ways that we judge each other and ourselves about the types of food we put in our bodies and even when it's not necessarily about weight and appearance we tend to moralize and value rank different types of foods right and um even though we have i think very good conversations out in the zeitgeist around how we you know like what what it means to attribute emotional significance to types of foods and how certain things can be nostalgic and how it's fine to eat junk sometimes in moderation and who cares what you eat at all do what you want we're all going to die anyways i mean i feel like there's like a lot of good conversations ongoing but i feel like i had not properly internalized my to myself um the ways that think that foods that are healthy for some bodies are not healthy for all bodies right and so i mean i think most of the time most people w- would say oh yeah no avocado is a healthy thing for you mm-hmm. right good healthy fats but um some people are actually allergic to avocados <laughs> which i feel is a cheat a cheat caveat but mm-hmm. in actuality um the degree to which we um you know balance out sugars and fats and fibers and all that sort of thing so my family has a history of of gallbladder sensitive gallbladder mm-hmm. issues right and so even though i can eat a lot of good healthy fats my body doesn't love all the things that are necessarily deemed healthy so i still actually have to be aware of my own end how i show up individually and that actually made me start you know with food like not all not all food that's good is good for everyone and that made me think a lot about how we consume media and literature and research in the conversations we have around even just social justice and um how we often think oh i had this healing experience or i had that type of trauma and this particular intervention helped me or this is the type of language we need to be using around these sorts of issues and you know domestic violence has to be handled in this particular way and so i i'm thinking about just in terms even as we discuss things like you know abolition 
like and people are really huffing back and forth about what that even means and how much we need it right i'm thinking in terms of how important it is for us to acknowledge that what you know recovery and healing and and, and justice and reparations um that they they look really different for individual people and i think there's been I think there's been a lot of, I mean, there's always going to be judgment between us, right? Like we're always going to kind of judge each other for what we think is reasonable or unreasonable ways of, of accepting or not accepting, um, you know, in, uh, overtures from the people around us, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think I had really fully translated how much on an individual level it's important to realize that, um, what reparations and justice and healing mean for me don't mean it for other people. And I feel like a healthy kink community is one half step, you know, like don't kink shame me, bro. Like, I feel like a healthy kink community is almost like a half a step, you know, beyond the rest of us because they've already had to negotiate with the idea that what works for me doesn't work for you. Yeah, don't yuck my yum. Yes, yes. Yes, and so I think I hadn't really internalized for myself that idea around like healing and maybe justice and reparation. So I think that's the thing I'm chewing on in 2020. (laughs) Sorry, no, that was really good. But uh, the child is playing video games in the other room. And as soon as you got done with that whole like in-depth analysis and you're like, that's what 2020 is. All I hear from the other room is, oh, Jesus Christ. Exactly. And then there's that. shot again don't shoot me bro okay and i'll, I'll <laughs> bet you this microphone pick that up <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no i think that's actually a really great topic and i think that's really important because i think a lot of people have their idea of what abolition looks like or what reformative or transformative justice looks like and like once they figure out what works for them they don't consider that that might not work for everybody else or that other people's healing processes might be different and so it does create like um you know issues uh around the thing like i was actually having a conversation with someone the other day where they were like i just can't support prison abolition because you know as always with like prison abolition like well what do you do with like the bad people and you know it's like trying to explain to people that just because someone um, can't necessarily be fully integrated in society because they're a danger doesn't mean we lock them in a cage. Like, there's a lot of, um, you know, steps between those two things. And so, like, a lot of people, you know, haven't necessarily considered that, but it was, like, really a conversation because what they were really saying was, I'm scared for my safety because I've been the victim of a crime. I've been in abusive situations. So when I hear prison abolition, what I'm hearing is, like, you don't want me to be safe and you're just going to let abusers out. And it's like, whoa, that's totally not what I'm saying. But, you know, the way the question was initially framed, that's not, like, I did not know that's what you were asking me. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, okay, so let's talk about what everybody needs and, you know, uh, go from there. But, yeah, I think that's a super important point because you don't, yeah, it's going to be unique for everyone. But I think that there's enough common ground if people are clear about what they want. I think that's a big part of that problem, too, is people aren't necessarily clear about what they want or can't give a detailed explanation of what they want. But I think if more people could do that, we would find a lot more common ground, I think. Um, so even though that's we, what I mean yeah. about interrogating the avocado. People are not properly interrogating their avocados. So they're like, oh, you know, well, I don't want all the bad people to be let out. And, and if you take, take a step back, okay, first of all, um, 
did our current system protect you from the bad people to begin with? Right. That's, I mean, mm -hmm. did it work initially and now you're worried about taking apart a thing that works for you and, you know, replacing it with something worse that won't work? No. Right. <laughs> like, it's not like it protected you in the first place. It's not like it's, it's solving the problem. And the fact that this is just what we have and something else would be worse is not a problem-solving position. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Because I always find, like, whenever you say, like, prison abolition, people are like, what about serial killers? And it's like, can you even name 10 serial killers who are alive in prison right now? And also, the majority of them are currently not in prison, and all the money we're spending on um, prisons isn't going towards actually uh, training people who would be able to find those serial killers, because right. I need to tell you, the people that are actually on SVU or whatever the heck people watch these days, yeah. the people who are like, oh, mind hunters. Listen, mind hunters, we did not actually change that much from when we had two and a half people in a, a dank ass basement, you know, putting together little pieces of information and trying to come up with a way to figure out what a serial killer is. It's not like we've changed that much. The advancements have happened in media more than they've happened in actual departments that catch people. Right. So you still have underfunded, undertrained, you know, less competent, quote unquote, overpaid officials who still aren't catching real killers <laughs> not yeah. like it works and i you know i have an article actually well actually if you want to find it it's on reading in the shade it was the last thing i posted about um like people who produce and like write for the propaganda shows where they basically admit they know that's what they're doing is like yeah. making propaganda but um yeah i think it's even interesting when you talk about stuff like oh you know like serial killers and people get really scared i mean obviously but it's like people don't realize, again, because of, like, the, you know, the propaganda shows and, like, these public perceptions, there are so many serial killers who aren't even um, on the radar because everyone's like, oh, serial killers are, like, 40-year-old white men. And it's like, sometimes, but um, not all serial killers are white men, you know? And so, like, but that is so much in the narrative. And because, you know, non-white victims are not taken seriously, like, you know, like, um, who was his name? Was it Samuel Little? I was the grim, grim sleeper guy. He was like the most prolific serial killer in American history because he was killing homeless black women and like right. nobody cared to, you know, put the pieces together because they're like, oh, you know. And so like those, I, those sort of cases are happening all the time. Like there's a serial killer still loose in Chicago who's attacking sex workers, but, right. you know, nobody's taking it seriously. And so it's just like, you know, you have this, people have this obsession with like, you know, um, law and order, not the show, but, like, the concept and that, you know, we have to rely on police and, like, FBI behavioral analysis and, you know, whatever, but it's like, those aren't always accurate and those really aren't keeping people as safe as you think they are. <laughs> so, no. you know, because, I mean, what, like, there's, like, 64,000 missing um, black women and girls right now just missing. And it's <laughs> like, maybe we should do something about that or not? Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, you can't defund police, though, because that's going to hurt people, I guess. Because, you know, obviously police aren't serial killers. Uh, obviously no. politicians aren't serial killers. Obviously medical providers couldn't be serial killers. Like, how are you going to define serial killer? Like, how many people's deaths do you have to be directly or indirectly responsible for before you're a serial killer? Like, nobody says you have to strangle and chop them up. How many, like, child protective service workers are responsible for the deaths of children that they place in abusive homes? Because they don't give a shit. Right. I mean, when do you become a serial killer? Yeah. Ah. 
No, I think that's actually a very valid question. And, you know, again, again, like serial killer, it has a very specific like stigma around it. Right. So it's like someone who's, you know, committing oftentimes like sex crimes and these like highly ritualized murders and things like that. But, you know, but that is a fair question is like if you're a prison guard and you know that, uh, you know, inmates are fighting and they're having you know, internal issues and someone's going to get stabbed to death and you just let them fight. Like, does that make you a serial killer? Or like in Rikers, right? Where they were making inmates fight with each other to entertain the guards, like that gladiator shit. Yeah. Like, does that make you a serial killer? Because people die from that shit. Like, you know, knowing um, that someone is in uh, an abusive situation, especially when it comes to like kids, especially with DCFS, they don't remove kids from abusive situations. Like, yeah, I think that's a very valid question. At what point? And then for fuck's sake, our politicians, right? Like yep. fucking these drone strikes. When's the last time? Have we ever had a president who's not a war criminal? <laughs> like ever? Yeah. The and the abo- the abortion laws, of course. Of course. And yes. then what? The um, was it blue alert one that Obama supported? The Blue Lives Matter law. Or, yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's stuff. Yeah, they're 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 getting their kill on. Phoenix Khalifa's making a quick run. Where are you <laughs> running to, madam? Oh no. <laughs> Maybe she's going to get her wine. <laughs> that, that's a fair deal. It is what? Friday. I said wine. Oh, no, I don't have any in the house. Oh, tragedy. It Did is you get your birthday present? Uh, yes. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. I gotta show you what I got too. Cool, you'll have to text me a picture. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Anyways, what were we talking about? I don't know. Um, we could. Do, uh, you were talking about serial killers. Yeah. Or it's like the yeah, like this is way out of anything I know about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, me and Phoenix have a lot of uh, <clears throat> direct uh, firsthand experience with the culture of killing things in a serial manner. <laughs> Yes, yes, we do. Maybe our expertise. (laughs) Yes. Don't mind us. (sighs) We have a lot of avocados to interrogate. There are a lot of avocados to interrogate. I don't get all the metaphors. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's what we should do. We should start like an agency and just call it like the avocado interrogation agency. Listen, the the automatic assumption that the that the, that the um, assertion that has been made to you does not require further interrogation is essentially what my life is based on, right? Yeah. Just deconstructing this idea that just because you tell me a thing or it's been this way or you haven't come up with a better idea yet means that the current situation is un <laughs> you know like you n- does not require critique and investigation, right? Oh, I agree. I agree. The what? But, oh, with the avocado interrogation agency thing. Because really, the whole concept of it is that we don't know things, and people get comfortable assuming they do know there's only one way to think about things, and they get really rigid, and it's like, how about a little intellectual curiosity and wanting to know more, doing more research, and, you know, going from there and saying, maybe my theory is wrong, maybe I can grow, maybe I have more to learn, instead of just saying, this is what I was taught, this is what I think, I'm not changing. <laughs> like... There's no point in being rigid like that. Like, fucking inter- interrogate yourself, too. <laughs> Shit. Shut up and eat your guacamole, kid. Nobody asked you. <laughs> I mean, seriously, though. Like, that's... So many people are like that when it comes to things. Like, just be... And I... You know, if shit, look at how many people are like, um, we have to have capitalism because there's nothing better. And it's like, we could try something else. 
point because this is kind of <laughs> shitty. Like, what if we just try? Or like, you know, common knowledge. We can't defund police. They keep us safe. Like, uh, do they? But though? do they? But do they though? <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, like they—they've been complaining about this mythical knockout game for like over a decade. <laughs> yeah. Where the fuck are these fucking boys in blue? Uh, they're doing stuff somewhere else at the Taking time. Taking a nap. We saw that, that pig that was uh, harassing you a couple days ago. That <sighs> pig came pulling out of a, um, a high school parking lot. Yes. But it's summertime mm-hmm. and it's, we live in coronial times. Right. So he was in there taking a nap. There's nothing going on in that campus. Nope. Not he a damn thing. the grounds for Tide Pods. You don't understand don't the know. dangers. You don't know. It could have been really bad. He probably saved some poor child from overdosing. Tide Pod. I remember when they were saying that these millennial kids are eating Tide Pods. And I'm like, I'm like 31. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually, and I had Tide Pods, and I was like, I'm not fucking eating them, I'm doing laundry, I'm an adult, what are you, because I knew that I was a millennial, and I didn't know that it was propaganda yet, right. I thought that people were just, I was like, they were confused or something, I was like, no, you're you're wrong, per, uh, Mr. Journalist Man. Yes, millennials are not eating Tide Pods, oh my god. Yeah. yeah, that's a waste of money. I'm an adult. I got bills and shit. I'm gonna buy soap right. and eat it. I buy food and eat it. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. People still fucking think millennials are kids. Yeah, when it's like... like two generations after us. At this point, OK Zoomer is just as valid yeah. <laughs> as anything else. Yeah, like, here, th- you want to know what millennials look like? Phoenix and I, millennials, yep. we compare gray beard hairs with each other. We do. We're yep. millennials. I have more than you. I have the gray nose hair override. That's not an override. <laughs> with all the gray hair I have on my head, that is not an override. You have two gray hairs. You offset it with purple. <laughs> that doesn't make it not gray. This is a domestic dispute. You're witnessing <laughs> Help. See, and this is millennials arguing. We sound like kids. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, man, this hurts. Shoot, Phoenix like, use the witch hazel. Yeah, use the um, witch hazel. Is that what the kids are talking about? Yes. Are the kids at the sidewalk cafe discussing witch hazel? Yes. Tiger balm. Whew, yes, I love me some Tiger Balm. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like there there is that that class disconnect because also the the people that you know put the propaganda out about this is what millennials do. Everything they're talking about is something <laughs> class privileged. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's nothing right. broke ass millennials are doing. Right. Which is also weird because then they're like, why aren't millennials buying houses? Why are millennials killing the diamond industry? But then people are like, why are millennials always at brunch? It's like, because we don't have any diamonds or houses. <laughs> but- we don't have places to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, it was capitalism that showed millennials the Blood Diamonds movie. Yeah. That's, That's still one of my personal greats on Twitter was getting a, um, a financial firm to delete their tweet. <laughs> because it was about like take out a loan for your dream marriage and I was like hey millennials you know what industry we should kill next <laughs> and then they deleted the tweet <laughs> alright like I love that when we went to Habitat for Humanity 
they had shopping carts. Toys R Us shopping carts. Oh, God, they did. <laughs> Thanks, millennials. Yes. Oh, man. I'm thinking about the little baby. Like, is it Trader Joe's that has the little baby shopping carts for the kids? I don't know. I don't go to Trader Trader Joe's. Whole Foods is one of it's one of the slightly fancier um, Hmm. uh, franchises. And one of the slightly fancier franchises, they've got little kitty size carts. Oh, that's cute. Even though I'm like, this is adorable, and I took like 37 pictures of my nephew pushing it around and trying to knock food into it. Even though I was like, this is adorable, I was like, this is conditioning. It like, is. The other half of my brain was like, oh, <laughs> 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 how about no? <laughs> like, you know, I don't have any. I don't have any ability to tell my nephew no. He's tiny and cute. He wants to push the thing around. Like, I'll buy him everything. You know, that's yep. like anti-capitalism. <laughs> And again, like fo- folks tuning in, all right, like this is why I need to be able to go full time podcasting because if I have the time, I would go through this whole episode and make a super cut of every time Penny snorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that is a thing I do. <laughs> it's kind of funny, I'm not going to lie. Oh, I feel like so some years back, um, I, I, I was on some type of. I don't remember if I did an interview or something and somebody pointed it out and I got super embarrassed. I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to eradicate the snort, right? I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to change how I laugh. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried really hard for, I, I want to say like a solid 17 hours. <laughs> uh-huh. You can't fight so nature. Fast. I gave up so fast. <laughs> you can't fight nature. I think I got distracted with marshmallows or something. Something happened that became way more interesting. I and mean, the, the reward to effort ratio was too low and I mean marshmallows are here delicious. We are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Definitely delicious. I think uh two thousand twenty for me. I think I'm just uh I'm not really much different except that I declared it wine cellar acceleration year and I wasn't fucking around. Like um because like I've been trying to bring in more voices and more people and, um, you know, and, you know, like I, I try to target it, you know, bring in certain folks. It was like nobody was really doing it. And I also noticed because I follow on my social media and especially read how they interact with people in their comments. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks are just all about dating and fucking. And it's like, mm-hmm. where, where are the folks that are, you know, ab- about their activism and right. about legislation and, you know, about a. Uh, you know about anti-capitalism and anti-policing but then like we'll interact in their comments section and they'll they'll answer the questions and they'll handle the disagreements well and i was like this fucking kid chelsea sprinkler yeah this kid's dope and yeah. they they got this uh facebook page called fury but then also you know it's like a, it's a group of them it's a small group of folks call themselves fury feminist uprising to resist um uh inequality and exploitation and um, when we uh, when the pandemic hit and like I was snagging masks for my job, we did our socialized the masks thing and we got them uh, and they were giving masks out to houseless folks and, um, and and workers that didn't have access to a mask yet. So it's like mm-hmm. shit and they get that get out there in the streets. And I mean, does that count as outreach? Is that outreach? I think that's outreach. Yeah. I think that's a form of outreach. Yeah, They're doing activist outreach, socializing the masks. So, yeah. So we brought in uh, Fury. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some real dope uh, 2020 shit. And then, yeah. what, what if Penny Loco comes back? <laughs> Penny Loco b- b- can before, always come back. Before six years. 
<laughs> you can we always should. come back, Penny. We should we should just make it a regular thing. Yeah, I yeah. could just contact because again, like all with not having to do the twelve hour shifts and that Wednesday fourteen hour shift. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like just doing the eights and the one um ten hour shift a week. I've got time to podcast. Phoenix has seen me. I'm up at 3.30 a.m. Let's do the morning wine cellar. Yep. All right, 6 p.m. Let's do the evening wine cellar. I got time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.